0: Bible reading this morning is from the Gospel of John chapter 20, beginning at verse 24. And in the Church Bibles, it can be found on page 1089. John 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with him, with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came, and stood among them, and said, "Peace be with you." Then he said to Thomas, "Put your finger here, and see my hands. Reach out your hand." and put it into my side, stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning, church. It's good to be here. Good to see more people each week, and lovely to have the children with us this morning. This morning, we're thinking about a certain person called Thomas. And I want to start by saying that this book, the Bible, is, I think, the best companion for life that you could ever find. This week, I found this verse in the Bible, John chapter 6, verse 37. It's always been there, um, but I found it and it spoke to me this week. In it, Jesus says, All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and I will never drive them away. All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and I will never drive them away. For those of us who sometimes don't feel worthy of being those who should be in the kingdom of God, this is a really important verse. Because it's a verse with no buts or ifs in it. It's a verse that just speaks reassurance over us. So if you had a conversation with Jesus, it might go like this. But Lord, I've done lots of things in my life that are really, really bad. And Jesus says, I will never drive you away. But Lord, I keep messing up. I keep doing those things that I thought I'd got past. And Jesus says, but I will never drive you away. Or you might say, but Lord, I keep going back to those things. And and then I deny you and I let you down, Lord. And Jesus says, I will never drive you away and you might say I have doubts Lord and sometimes those doubts overwhelm me and Jesus says I will never drive you away. Jesus says all those all that the father gives to me will come to me and I will never drive them away Today, we're thinking about Thomas the Apostle. And what's the one thing that we know about Thomas? What's the one thing that he gets called doubting Thomas? That's who he is. He's doubting Thomas, and we use that as an adjective for people who have little faith. They might be a doubting Thomas. And at this point, I want to say that I feel a bit sorry for Thomas. Because he was the only one who was out doing something actually brave enough to go out when all the others were huddled inside and Jesus arrives and it's the first appearance of the risen Lord to the disciples on the first day of his resurrection. Thomas is out so he doesn't see Jesus. If he'd been there on that morning he might have been known as someone very different because the first time we meet Thomas in John's gospel He's the one who says that they should go back to Judea when Jesus wants to go and visit the tomb of Lazarus, who's just died. They've just been threatened with stoning in Judea. So this is a dangerous mission that they're going to take on. And Thomas is the one that says, let us go also that we may die with him. Thomas might have been known as courageous Thomas instead of doubting Thomas. And let's also remember that no one expected a single person to be raised from the dead like Jesus was. There was a thought in the Jewish people in their teaching and in their learning that God would resurrect everybody at a a general resurrection for the righteous. There was no idea that just one person would appear to show that the Messiah had come, that he'd been revealed to God's people even someone like Jesus, it was completely unexpected. There were prophecies that the Messiah would live forever, that his kingdom would go on forever. But there were no real prophecies that one person would be raised. So is it any surprise that Thomas had doubts? We tend to talk a lot about faith and belief in church, but sometimes perhaps we also ought to talk about doubts because there is such a thing as a healthy level of doubt. I think we've all learned in the last few years that sometimes we need to doubt what politicians tell us. You can't always expect them to tell us the truth. Sometimes they will tell us things that aren't true. We've also learned to doubt that that phone call that comes and says it's from our bank may not actually be from our bank, and we shouldn't give our bank details to anybody who asks for them. We should have doubts, shouldn't we? Just this week, two of our staff team received an email from Rev Neil Smart asking them for help to buy some iTunes tokens. That email didn't come from me. They were right to have doubts about its origin. It didn't have my email address, it wasn't from me. We need to have doubts, don't we? Nobody wants. To live with blind faith, that does nobody any good. We need a reasonable and rational faith that points us to Jesus, who is the living God. So what I want to say this morning is that doubts aren't always a bad thing. In the end, they may not diminish our faith, but make it stronger by forcing us to look at our faith more closely so three things about doubt that we can see that come out of this particular passage the first thing is that doubts are okay the second is that doubts lead us to seek evidence and the third thing that doubts help us as we search for the truth So the first thing we need to notice as we look at this passage with Jesus meeting with Thomas is that doubts are okay for Jesus. Jesus doesn't look down on those who doubt. Jesus isn't upset that Thomas doubts. Jesus gently draws Thomas into the truth. Jesus sees into our hearts and he's ready for us To take time in recognising who he is. We know from our study of the book of Revelation that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And he's got time for us to have doubts before we move on and make our decision. Thanks Andrew, that's fine with that slide. Doubt is okay, in fact it's much better than apathy. You can have a conversation with someone who has doubts. You can't have a conversation with someone who's just not bothered. It's very hard to connect with them. But if someone has doubts, then you can talk to them about it. And I have doubts sometimes about the way we do church. We shouldn't try and defend the things that aren't absolutely essential to our faith. There are things that the church does and has done that perhaps need improving. We don't want to defend the crusades or the child abuse that's gone on in the church. We want to say that the church has gone wrong and you can have doubts about the church but that doesn't or it shouldn't affect your relationship with Jesus. None of that doubt makes me question that Jesus is risen from the tomb because I know the difference that his living makes in my life his living presence is something that changes my life and it should change the lives of those around us it could change the lives of those around us we should not expect those who haven't met Jesus not to have a few doubts sorry there were too many knots in that bit wasn't there but we should expect those who haven't met Jesus to have doubts that's what I was trying to say we should expect them to have doubts it's not until you meet Jesus that you realize all the promises that he makes are true are are found to come true in him that's why our teenagers need space to find a faith for themselves we shouldn't expect them just to take on our faith we should give them space to ask questions to have doubts so that it can become their faith their faith that's personal to them and that's why the alpha course is so good such a great thing that God has given us because it's a place where people can bring their doubts and share them openly. We will never argue anyone into the kingdom of God. People become Christians when they have an encounter with the living Jesus through his Holy Spirit. That's when people become those who have an alive and vibrant faith. So doubts are okay, And then secondly, doubts should send us out to seek for evidence. The key to destroying doubt is to find the evidence that squashes it. Thomas knows that the only evidence he's going to believe that will convince him is if he reaches out and touches Jesus. Unless I see the marks on his hands and put my finger in those holes, put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Thomas has his remarkable request answered and his doubt leads him to an encounter with the truth, the one who is the way, the truth and the life. One of the greatest novels that was ever written was written because of doubts. I didn't know this, but someone explained it to me. This is Ben-Hur, the book, which was around a long time before Ben-Hur, the film with Charlton Heston and lots of chariot racing. This book, this novel, was the best-selling novel in the United States of America in the 19th century. It was the best-selling novel until Gone with the Wind came along. And its title is Ben-Hur, A Tale of Christ. And the author, Lou Wallace, was in the army in the American Civil War. And he had an encounter with a well-known agnostic in a railway carriage on one of the journeys that he was making home after the war. And in this railway carriage, the agnostic was trying to convince uh, Lou Wallace that Christianity was false. And Wallace realized that he couldn't defend Christianity. And he said, he said, he claimed that he was not in the least influenced by religious sentiment and had no convictions about God or Christ. But in order to write the novel, he had to research the novel. And he went and did studies into the historical accuracy of the Gospels and what life was like in Roman times. And by the end of his research and writing, he was absolutely convinced and believed in the God who was revealed in Jesus Christ. Doubts can lead us to search for evidence, and that search for evidence can destroy our doubts. Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet who have believed. And we fall into that category, don't we? We also will be blessed for our trust and faith and belief. We too can search for the evidence that's important for us in the Gospels, or through studies. We can search for that evidence in the lives of those who do believe in Jesus. We need to be those people who have evidence so that we can pass on our convictions, so that we can explain to others around us the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. And finally, doubt can be a signpost to the truth. Colin spoke last week about the two questions of our age. Is it true and does it work? People are still searching for meaning and purpose, even more so after the pandemic. And these questions consume our attention and doubts are a healthy sign that we've engaged our rational minds in this search for the truth. People who are absolutely sure about absolutely everything are very dangerous people to be around, aren't they? We need to have space for doubt so that truth can be found. I expect most of us watched the funeral of Prince Philip yesterday. And since his death, these, uh, there's been many stories of him questioning the people who preached at the sermons for the royal family at the chapels that they went to at Sandringham or Balmoral or Windsor. And Prince Philip would often question, after the service, the preachers who'd preached. And there's a story that the Bishop of Norwich wrote in the Church Times this week, that after one sermon at Sandringham, Prince Philip questioned him, because he'd said that Mark was the first gospel to be written. And Prince Philip said, how do you know? How do you know that Mark was the first gospel written? And why then does it come after Matthew? Why isn't it Mark first and then Matthew? in the Bible he had doubts he had questions and he wanted to find out answers and for me that only increases my admiration for his royal highness he had a faith but that didn't stop him questioning let's get back to Thomas who could have been courageous Thomas but was dubbed doubting Thomas But by the end, he became believing Thomas. You see, Jesus appears to Thomas for that second time. And Thomas is present and he has an encounter with the risen Lord. And that changes Thomas forever. Jesus challenges him. See my hands. Reach out and touch. Stop doubting and believe. There comes a time when we have to make a choice. And that choice should be made based on the evidence that we've uncovered. My experience is that this Christian faith only really works when it's up close and personal. Just like Jesus gets personal with Thomas. The result of this encounter is clear because Thomas says, My Lord and my God. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say, I am God. But this is a key moment when those words are said to him about him and he doesn't refuse that title. Thomas is changed as he meets with Jesus. For a short time he was doubting Thomas. Now he becomes believing Thomas. This is the result of this encounter with Jesus who is risen. Thomas shows us that it's okay to have doubts, that doubts should send us in search of the evidence and that doubts can finally lead us to the truth. It's because of doubt that Thomas says this amazing, life-changing, history-altering declaration, my Lord and my God. So we must also have room for those who have doubt. Not look down on those who have doubts. Just as Jesus welcomed them, we should welcome them. We must give thanks that we've been given this gift of faith. A gift from God that allows us to know that he is love, that Jesus is Lord, that the Spirit brings life. And we must hold on to these things and remember that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. For he says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and I will never drive them away. And we acknowledge that today, that even doubting Thomas became believing Thomas in the presence of his risen Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you today and we acknowledge those doubts that we have before you now. And we thank you that you are a gentle and just God who always seeks to save that which is lost. Lord, help us to live in the knowledge of your risen life, in the presence of your life-giving Spirit, And may we, each one of us, draw others into an experience of your healing and your wholeness, your restoration and your renewal. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. And all the people said, Amen. 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 Now we're going to sing our next song.